The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh, and welcome to the Football Manager Show, sponsored by LiveScore. Exciting times then. Diaz is at Liverpool, Conte's at Spurs and Joe Linton is now the box-to-box midfielder of your dreams. Yes, the new update has landed and the changes are not simply limited to the database. Find out everything you need to know here with Sports Interactive's Andrew Sinclair. It's a big week for us too. It's the start of the Football Manager Show Community Challenge. And because you're either the most reckless or the most malevolent podcast audience on the internet, you've decided that we have to manage Derby County. So Elias Burke, the Athletics Derby County man, is here to guide us. Plus, we've got 1993's new Palais on live score legends of the game. We've got your letters and loads more. So let's get started. So last Thursday, if you played Football Manager on Steam, you would have noticed that magic little updating moment where it ticks away for about 10 minutes and the next time you load the game, all the transfers are through. The update came out um, and that always means, well, I mean, it means a little bit more than just a bit of new data. So with me today is Sports Interactive's Andrew Sinclair. Andrew, how are you? Hello. I am, I am well. Not very well, but I'm well. You're medium well. Medium well's fine. We can work with medium well. Yeah, that works. That works. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, re- remind us what exactly you do all day. So I am PR and content executive at Sports Interactive. So I'm part of the communications team. I work a lot with journalists and the media to talk about Football Manager, like your good selves, obviously. And internally, I'm responsible for a lot of our written output, whether that's news stories, marketing copy, or for the byline on our website. Excellent. Always worth checking out the byline. There's some really good stuff on uh, playing with double pivot midfields and things like that that uh, come straight from the horse's mouth. Busy week last week for you, getting the update ready to go out. Tell us what's changed. I mean, obviously, all the transfers will be through. Yeah, so the normal sort of February winter update or the main winter update, as there are two parts, that's where you get all the, the big January transfers and also you see player data change so players will get their current ability upgraded because they exceeded our anticipation or exceeded how we thought they'd perform in the first half of the season or conversely there are players who've had a bit of a downgrade as well because they underperformed in the first half of the season so all of that has been done by a team of over a thousand researchers around the world but beyond that we also have the very exciting return of versus mode to pc and mac as well Ooh, I'll tell you what, we'll come to that in a minute. First of all, though, can you tell us any of the movers and shakers in the ability changes? There's been a few sort of top-end players, so like an Aubameyang who's had a bit of a downgrade because the first half of the season wasn't great for him. But there have been some players who've had really big boosts as well. Jude Bellingham has been fantastic for Dortmund. He's had a an upgrade. Jeremy Frimpong at Bayer Leverkusen, he's had an upgrade as well. And a, a rogue one, because he's in my brain, is uh, Kabongo Tushamanga, who's the top scorer in the Vanarama National League. He's had a big boost because he's been scoring goals for fun through the first six months of the season. 
So this is this is big. This is not just a couple of players being moved from one club to another. This renders everybody's articles redundant on you know best players to pick up, best free transfers. It's uh, it's a fresh start. Yeah, there were four point four million data changes in this update. That's player transfers and also current ability tweaks as well. So an awful lot of data in that update, and there's an awful lot of data for you to sort of find and have a play around with as well. Excellent. We're going to have a good look at that. What about changes to the game itself? Have there been any match engine tweaks? Yeah, so there's been a a couple. One sort of big match engine one and then a a slightly smaller one. The smaller one, there's uh, been some improvements. If you use the preset match plans, they weren't necessarily implemented 100% as they should be before, but they're now more or less perfected. So that's a good thing if you're the bigger one is that there have been tweaks to inside wingers and forwards and how often they cut inside with the ball Ooh. when attacking. So I spoke to the, the match team about this and they said that public feedback through the first couple of months of, of FM22's release, people felt that inside forwards and inverted wingers weren't cutting in enough and that they tended to just dribble down the wing. They've tweaked it now so they should be transitioning the ball to their stronger foot and cutting in more often than they were before but it it sort of balanced it out a little bit that's a big one and if you play with those positions it's probably something you will notice straight away but if you don't it probably won't make a difference to to your attacking anyway the defending against the opposition maybe yeah this this could be uh could be very interesting i play usually with with one of each just a reminder for anyone who missed the episode where we talked about it inverted wingers cut in sort of in front of the defenders and inside forwards cut in behind the defenders is that the basic rule yeah more or less for me an inverted winger the person i always think of is andros townsend because he always used to sort of run to the fullback and then chop in and dribble across the box and shoot so he's the one i always think of he's an inverted winger whereas a a forward is slightly closer to a, a striker in the way they behave excellent stuff what else have we got in, in match engine tweaks there? That's more or less it. Those two are the sort of headline changes because I think by and large people were quite happy with where the, the match engine was. So they're the only real changes there, but there've been changes to other areas of the game like competitions, rule groups, art, you know, and, and also just generally, as there are always in these updates, sort of core stability fixes as well. Excellent. All right. Tell me about versus mode because I'm I'm a huge fan of this. Um, multiplayer football manager is bigger than ever. How does it work? Yeah. So versus mode, quite excitingly, is back now for PC Mac gamers. It was in the Xbox edition of the game, but it's now back in PC Mac and it's come back as an FMFC exclusive. So to access versus mode, you'll need to be a member of, a, of the football manager members club FMFC. You can sign in through the game. Now, in addition to the website, which was available before, once you've signed in from the the start screen, you'll see that before, when you clicked start a new game, the versus mode tile was greyed out and it said coming soon. Once you've logged into FMFC, it will say that you can now start and there's a variety of competitions you can play. You can just play a one-off head-to-head, you could play a group sort of stage and knockout of 8 to 32 teams, or you could set up a 20-team league. Whatever you really want to do, And quite excitingly, obviously there's the the functionality to play with your friends, there's the functionality to cross-play, so if I was on Steam and you were on Epic, Ian, we could play a game together. But the other exciting thing is, if you set it to open lobbies, there's the opportunity for some PvP matchmaking in versus mode, which will allow you to test your skills against anyone who's also an FMFC member looking for a a one-on-one game at that time. So that's quite exciting. 
All right, we're going to be doing a lot of that over here um, because it's better than, you know, working. So when you talk about setting up leagues and setting up cups, can you have human teams and AI teams as well? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just wanted to say you were looking for a new save, for example, you could go in, pick the team you're looking at and just go in a a one-off head-to-head game with the AI to try and test out the players, work out what sort of tactics might work. You can have AI teams to fill out a competition. You could just have human teams. And quite excitingly, this is something I haven't mentioned yet, you can export your team from your current save Mm. into versus mode. So I could take my prodigious Burnley team and uh, put them up against your, your mighty Newcastle. Oh, and then we could get uh, Steve's Fiorentina team in and have like an old-fashioned Rouse Cup. Yes. Exactly. Oh, this is definitely going to happen. So sign up for FMFC and you get access to that. I'm probably never going to play a career game again. I'm just going to be doing little thought experiments. You can also, because this is a new thing that I have never, ever done before, and it's nothing to do with the update, but the in-game editor that allows you to actually edit saves is available, isn't it? At £5.99, is that, is that right? Yes, the in-game editor has been, I think that was available from, from launch. And yeah, you can yeah. you can pick that up and then you can you can adjust your budget, you can adjust your club's reputation, you can also change the contract status of, of other players. So you could move them to your club or sack them from another club if you were so minded. This also means that if you enjoyed the TIFO IRL videos where we did classic Liverpool teams, but you didn't enjoy some of the stats, you can build your own competition where you get great Liverpool teams to play. My God, all all I'm doing now is thinking about how little work I'm going to do. And I really hope no one at the New York Times is listening to this interview. To reassure everyone, you don't have to do anything special to get the update. You just turn on Steam and Epic, yeah? Yeah, so updates of this nature should download automatically epic and steam if you're playing through the the windows store you might have to be a bit more manual with it but if it doesn't download automatically just quit and restart the launcher that you're playing from and you'll be able to go again from there so it should all download automatically and as always tweaks to the game itself whether that's the the tweak we've put in for dynamic youth ratings or a couple of other things they will apply in your current saves but if you want to see that the data updates so that's changes to players current ability or the transfers from january you'll need to start a new save to see the data but the the gameplay stuff you'll be able to get off the bat Excellent stuff. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're not feeling uh, 100% match fit at the moment, but uh, a sterling performance. Thank you so much. No problem. Happy to come on any time. It's more than a score with live score. Legends of the game. So what's all this about then? Well, with LiveScore, which I'm certain you've all downloaded for free from the App Store or Google Play, you get the latest action stats and analysis from around the world. Because we know football goes beyond scores. It's the stories from the pitch and the stands. Players and fans all spinning their own strands of the mighty football web that links us all together. And there's no better way to twang that web than by playing Football Manager. Because we've been doing it for so many years, we've made a few memories. Welcome to Legends of the Game. And this week, we look at the legendary Nee Lamptey. Now, to do that, we must travel back to 1993, a time when FM was CM, a time when there were no foreign leagues. There was just a long roster of foreign players at unspecified foreign clubs. 
Gary Lineker was there, a snip at half a million quid. Antonio Conte was an underwhelming young central midfielder who never quite lived up to his potential. And if you could handle waiting for his knee to fix itself, and you could afford five and a half million pounds, Paul Gascoigne was there too. But none of them could hold a candle to Neil Empty. A confident 19-year-old with a sprinter's pace, you could play knee anywhere in midfield or attack. He had a passing of 20, a flair of 18. He was like a fully caffeinated Andres Iniesta, if you will. And while £2.5 million was a big old transfer fee in 1993, I don't know anyone who paid it and regretted it. He scored goals, he made goals, his morale never seemed to dip at all. Winning the European Cup against the overpowered AI foreign teams was a massive ask in these days, but if you had Neil Ampty, and maybe Don Hutchison, Darren Kasky and Neil Ruddock too, you always had a chance. In real life, however, it, it didn't go so well, but this was hardly his fault. In fact, when you consider the almost insurmountable odds he faced in life, it's amazing he played professional football at all. After an abusive upbringing in Ghana, he had to be smuggled out of the country on a fake passport so he could join Anderlecht in Belgium. He was so impressive for his country that he was very quickly dubbed the new Pele by no less an authority than actual Pele. And he helped Ghana win bronze at the Barcelona Olympics. But that was the high watermark of his career. Illiterate and unprotected, he fell in with a bad agent, was cheated out of money, and then packed off for a wholly unsuitable and unsuccessful spell with Aston Villa, and then Coventry, and then Italy, Argentina, Turkey, Portugal, and you get the picture. He runs a school in Ghana now, helping a new generation to read and write, and hopefully to avoid the same exploitation he suffered. He never quite made it to the top as a player, but for some of us, those of a certain generation, Neil Ampty will always be one of the greats. That was It's More Than a Score with LiveScore, Legends of the Game. You can get real-time updates and results, match highlights and breaking news from around the football world on the LiveScore app, and it's completely free. Just search for it on the App Store or Google Play now. Welcome to the Football Manager Community Challenge. A chance for us all to have a bit of fun together. A chance that you spurned and you turned into a chance for us to be miserable together. Last year we dashed ourselves against the walls of Castle Sunderland and this year it's Derby bloody county. So here are the rules or, or guidelines really. You, you can do what you want. You're all grown-ups. Start a new game with the data update. Now, for the pure experience, turn transfers on, play with just the English divisions in solidarity with our brothers and sisters on less powerful laptops, and off we go. Every week, every real week, we'll try to play six football manager months. So, starting from today, charge ahead to December 31st, assuming you get that far, I may not, and we'll regroup next week. And let me know how you get on. Let me know if weird stuff happens. Let me know if you absolutely storm it or if you get sacked inside 10 games. Because, you know, it's Derby. You may get sacked in 10 games. But most of all, have fun. Try and have fun. If you want to charge on, 
If you want to go five seasons deep in a week, then go for it. And if your situation, like mine, means that even getting six months in a week is a bit of a challenge, uh, just take your time. We'll all get there. Or we'll all get sacked. Anyway, with me as your guide is the Athletics' own Elias Burke. Elias, welcome to the show. I am very, very happy to be here. Thank you for including Darby into your challenge and including me also. Super excited. I'm very relieved that you're here. You're going to be doing this challenge along with us. But um, for, for anyone who doesn't know you, what exactly do you do all day? In between eating and, and playing football occasionally, playing football manager, obviously, also is a massive part of my life. But, you know, covering Derby, going to their matches, watching them all day and watching all their highlights on, on Scout and YouTube and trying to make sure that I'm the authority on Derby off the field and obviously on it also. That's a massive part of my day. This is just music to our ears because I started this Derby Challenge over the weekend just to get a bit of a head start and by thunder. I mean, I've, I've not seen anything this difficult and we did the Sunderland Challenge last year. It's really, really bad. We were looking at the squad earlier on. In terms of senior players, there's really hardly anyone and, and those there are are really senior. Well, we did a piece a few months ago, actually, and we looked at primes across the championship in the Premier League and looked at t- to see how many players each club actually had in their prime. So, you know, you looked in the Premier League and most teams had at least kind of five or six. I think the prime for an outfield player is about 28. Derby have one player, one outfield player in their prime, that's Tom Lawrence. Their centre-back partnership that they play most commonly has a combined age of 70. They've got over 10 academy graduates under 21 in the first team. It's definitely a mishmash of experience and ages, and there's definitely a lot of quality there. Yeah, I mean, we'll break it down with positives, first of all. There are two decent goalkeepers there. You actually wrote a really good article comparing them uh, not so long ago. Tell us about them. Well, thank you. So yeah, there's two good goalkeepers and two championship quality goalkeepers, actually. So there's Keller Roos and there is Ryan Alsop. At the moment, Rooney's been going with Ryan Alsop. He's probably better suited to Rooney's style of play, so he's pretty good distribution-wise. He's a pretty good shot-stopper. And Kelarus is probably the more traditional of the two. You know, he's he's pretty good reflex-stopper. He's, he's good at saving long-distance long shots and stuff. So in, in the goalkeeping department, you're pretty well stacked. There's a young guy coming through also, but definitely Kelarus and Ryan Alsop are the two that you kind of can rely on and know that they're championship quality. And then at the back, you talk about the, the combined age. You've got Richard Stearman, who uh, Leicester fans will, will remember, and uh, Curtis Davis, of course, played in the Premier League for a very long time. They're both quality in real life. Are they holding up all right? There are a lot of miles on the clock there. Yeah, they've, they've both got a strong West Midlands connection. Obviously, Stearman, you mentioned, had played at Leicester, but also played at Wolves. And Davis has pretty much been to every... West Midlands club that I can think of other than Wolves. So he's been at Birmingham City, Villa, West Brom, and now they're both meeting again in the East Midlands. As you say, you know, packed full of experience. They've been doing really well of late, even though there's one of the younger guys actually has come in more in, in the past couple of games, Aaron Cashin, who's another good prospect. Um, Stearman's, you know, got suspended a couple of days, uh, a couple of games ago, and he's he's still trying to work his way back into the team. But there's definitely, you know, solidity there. They've got one of the best defensive records in the championship at home, especially away. It's been a bit more of a challenge, and they lost again on the weekend. But there's definitely in defence, and then at right at right back, they've got Nathan Byrne, who's a really good player, and he's kind of 
been through the leagues. So he's played for Wigan and, and obviously at the moment now with Derby and he's considered to be, you know, kind of their resident seven or eight out of ten. He's, he's pretty good normally. And at left back, they've got Buchanan and Forsyth. So there's there's good depth there. Um, Forsyth is kind of a career championship player and he's played, he played a bit in Scotland as well, but definitely got quality at this level. And Buchanan's another young prospect who came through the academy, part of the team actually a couple of years ago that won the under-18 Premier League team. So... There's definitely a lot of quality there. Now, one one player who I had noticed in real life, Festi Ibiselli, who looks loads of fun, and he plays on the right wing in, in real life. Here, I thought I'd be really clever, and I played him as a complete wing-back on the right to get him forward and overlap, and it's been a disaster. He technically isn't really very good at football at the moment. In real life, he's quite the game-changer, isn't he? Well, that was supposed to be my my big uh, my big recommendation for the podcast. Let's see if we can try and maybe go a, a three at the back with wing backs. Obviously, you mentioned that on the on the last podcast. So Ebersaley, obviously, he's got all the quali- qualities kind of physically. You know, he's very quick, very strong, kind of like a younger version of an Adama Traore. He hasn't really quite you know put together all of that the end product together. He hasn't really quite got that yet. But in terms of physical attributes, he's absolutely there. But as you say, he's been really good in, in real life. And he's kind of, in the past couple of games, that end product's kind of coming for him a little bit. You know, he spent some time playing as a, just a general right back or a left back even also. So he definitely can hold his own defensively. As you say, you know, there's there's a few options there defensively. Byrne can move to um, a centre-back position if, if, if needed. So can Buchanan. So there's a lot of depth there in defence, probably more depth. Central midfield actually isn't isn't too bad, but there's a lot of depth in, in defence. If you're kind of struggling to get numbers in attacking positions, maybe you can think of a wing-back system. It's funny you say midfield, because I thought one of the best players is um, Max Bird, who is just that player that every manager wants, because he's quite good at everything and works hard, and, and he's he's a good base of the midfield, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's super talented. He's another one, along with Buchanan, Sibley... Um, there's another guy that's coming at central midfield as well, Liam Thompson, who was part of that under-18 Premier League winning team. So there's, as you say, there's a pedigree, especially with the academy. The academy is one of the most prolific in, in English football, really. Max Bird is a really top prospect and he's kind of played all of all of Derby's minutes essentially this season. He, he struggled a little bit last season, but he's really kind of bulked up physically and technically he's really good too. So definitely... Max Bird is a, is a player to build your team around. And then also, coming up to about January time into your save, you'll have the return of Christian Bielik, who is absolutely massive. You know, Derby fans talk about him as one of their best players. So he's a DM and he's someone that you can pair alongside Max Bird. And I call them the Twin Towers. They're both six foot two plus and they look absolutely massive in central midfield. So if you're looking for legs, if you're looking for physicality to build your midfield around, you can't really look past Bird and Bielik. Just got the small matter of having to survive until Bielik gets back from injury, which may be easier said than done. If Bird is a player that every manager wants, Ravel Morrison is the uh, the polar opposite, in my experience on the game anyway, because he is always complacent ahead of every single fixture. In real life, how's that working out? Um, I think Ravel, he's, Rooney's obviously worked with him before and it was a case of can Rooney try and coax that, you know, world-changing, game-changing ability out of Raval that's been promised for, you know, a decade or more now? Everyone knows all about the talent coming through the Manchester United Academy with Raval. You know, he looked like someone that could potentially play for England. And, you know, that 
that hasn't worked out for him, but that, that talent is still there. And, and if you can find the right slot for him in the midfield or maybe in an attack, there's definitely a big player that I assume that he's got really high technical abilities and creative abilities, you know, probably a standout in that aspect for Derby's squad. So if you can kind of build your midfield around him or build your attack around him, there's definitely a lot there. You know, you might think of him as someone like a in a Trequartista position or an enganche or something like that, even as a creative attacking midfielder just to um, kind of improve Derby's attacking aspects, because that's probably, you'd say, where their weaknesses lie. Tom Lawrence is very clearly the the standout technical talent in the team, isn't he? Yeah, speaking about Raval, then I completely forgot about Tom Lawrence, who's probably been Derby's best player this season. He's their captain. He's currently suspended in real life, unfortunately, which is a big blow for Derby, but he's super, super talented. He scored nine goals in the championship this season. He's probably their one player that you can really rely on as a capable kind of game changer. If you if you look back a few months against Bournemouth, he, he scored two goals out of nothing to lift them to a 3-2 win over one of the teams fancied for promotion, which is obviously massive. He's done that on several occasions this season. He scored really important goals. You know, he's got all the ability to play in the Premier League and he's someone that you can really kind of build that attack around. He's he, he, If you can keep Tom Lawrence interested and motivated throughout the season... Derby are always within the shot and Rooney's really tried to do that this year. You know, he handed him the captain's armband just to try and coax that extra 10 or 20% out of him. And, you know, it's really worked, you know, going up to prior seasons where he's kind of been a little bit disinterested and stuff. This year, he's really kind of put it all together. Anyone who's already started this will be going, talk about attack, talk about attack. Because when you start Colin Kazim Richards, your senior striker, quite senior at 34, He's not available for months and there isn't much else in there. I was I decided that I'd give you for chance and played young Bobby Duncan, but he's not really done it for us. Um, he's obviously uh, the former Man City and Liverpool prospect, uh, some controversial career moves in his, uh, in his past. He's not really done it for me. And then you've got this um, lad on loan from Palace, uh, Luke Plange, who... I confess I've never heard of. Uh, talk me through those two. Bobby Duncan, who's, you know, came through uh, Liverpool's academy and City's academy to great clay when everyone thought that he'd... I think he was part of one of the really successful young England squads and stuff and people thought that he'd get on to a great career. Obviously, you know, cousins with Steven Gerrard as well. That was a big kind of selling point across football. And that hasn't quite happened for him at Derby, unfortunately. I know he was linked with a move abroad, actually, um, in January, but that didn't quite materialise, unfortunately. But Luke Plange is someone that's come from the academy. He was he came through the Arsenal Academy and he was let go a couple of I think he was only about twelve months ago now actually. And um he was signed as a trialist at Derby. And essentially he came as someone that was a, a left winger, potentially, you know, playing as a striker also. But he scored a load of goals for the twenty threes and there was a big kind of furore about not being able to call him up into the first team squad because of all the off the field issues. And he's come in and he's done really, really well. He scored three goals this season. He scored one on his full debut, uh, a winner um, at home to Blackpool. He's definitely got all the kind of raw qualities that you really look for in a striker. So he's quite tall. He's quite quick. He's an excellent finisher, actually. So if you can kind of develop him into someone that develop, um, that becomes, you know, a top-class striker. That, you know, all the potential's there. And that showed with Crystal Palace buying him in January and then loaning him back. But there's also Jack Stretton as well, who's another really interesting academy product that if you if you went for that, you know, 
he scored a few goals at, at the start of the season. So there's definitely potential there in terms of goals and young players. It's just a case of how you're going to get those goals now, really, because, you know, there's a big pressure on, on you right away to try and score some goals. Interestingly, you know, at the start of the season, Tom Lawrence played a little bit as a false nine. Um, so that's definitely an option. He's got all the kind of technical abilities and he's a really good finisher. And he's someone that you can potentially look to as, as someone as, as more of a creator and, you know, dropping back a little bit as well, but can also have the added quality of providing the finishing touch. There are a few wingers that you can kind of pair alongside him. So we mentioned Ebiseli earlier. There's Jozwiak, who's a Poland international. So there is potential there. I mean, Rooney, that's, that's the one thing Rooney hasn't really quite got in real life, you know, trying to find that perfect formula to find goals consistently. But if you're able to do that on Football Manager, and definitely Lawrence as a false nine is an interesting prospect to bring goals into the team. Now, it's been a while since Derby were in the top flight. I know there's a lot of listeners to this show who's under the age of 25 who won't remember or, or really realise that, that Derby were big. You know, They won the title twice in the 70s. They are consistently among the best supported clubs outside of the Premier League. In fact, if you put their average attendance up against uh, all of the teams in Europe, they'd be they'd be doing pretty well. This this is a big club, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you know, going to history, you know, you look at the Brian Clough and you look at the European nights against the likes of Real Madrid and stuff in the old baseball ground. Derby was a club that people in the Midlands and across across the country looked towards as one of being, you know, one of the biggest clubs in in the country. And of course, their you know the fortunes have kind of dipped of late and you know they had that kind of notorious uh, season in the Premier League uh, for all the wrong reasons where they set a record low points total so you know for people of my generation you know that's the kind of lasting memory of Derby in the Premier League which is obviously not something that can you know applies to an older crowd because you know they think of Derby as one of the bigger clubs in the country and you know in the 90s as well those those one shop days with you know against Manchester United and stuff you know beautiful ground uh, in the center of the city uh, holding over 30,000 that they've kind of filled of late as well you mentioned there the the attendances and stuff so they're a super well supported club they've got all the potential to grow in the future and that's what makes them such kind of an enticing prospect for buyers and stuff as well coming into it because they're looking at a club that's essentially a sleeping giant really of English football. You look at the the titles that they won in the 70s, they're, they're running the Premier League in the 90s and early 2000s. They've got all the potential to be so much bigger and it's a club that should be looking far higher than you know what they are at the moment. Now, you're, you're going to be joining us on this, aren't you? Um, how confident are you of staying in a job for the first season and keeping Derby up? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I wouldn't be completely... You know, in real life, it's been they've been quite supported by clubs around them. So Reading haven't had a particularly good season. Peterborough, you know, haven't been very good. Or Barnsley haven't been very good either. So they've had the potential there to pick up wins and then knowing that the teams around them are probably going to lose. Whereas Reading recently have started winning matches and stuff. And you can't imagine that form to translate so obviously over to Football Manager because essentially, really, it's only a few wins that kind of takes them away from Derby, really. You know, you're coming from minus 21 points at the start it takes a massive effort that's seven wins to just even get to zero they can't imagine to be getting too many more wins than that especially in the first half of the season where you're trying to close that gap really so it's going to be a massive task you know they've got lots of young players as I said it's, it's going to be maybe a, a challenge that you look forward to in like two two or three seasons where you look at all those young players there you know the Max Birds uh, the Jason Knights, the the Lee Buchanans, and obviously the Ebersales as well, that, you know, maybe can even have a, a season to develop in League One 
or even a season to develop in the championship. And then they can come through from that third tier and then kind of rocket up the divisions because they've got so much talent and, and skill. They're just waiting for that experience now. Well, I wish you all the very best. If uh, people want to read more of you, and I highly recommend that they do, where will they find you? I'm all over the Athletic website um, uh, on the Derby County channel. So if you want to want to read anything on Derby, you'll probably see my name somewhere underneath most of them. On Twitter, I'm at Elias Burke. Um, so Elias Burke anywhere. Just search me on Google if, you, if, if you're not too literate on the social medias and the athletics and stuff. So you'll be able to find a lot of my stuff there. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to catching up with you as this season goes on and uh, good luck, everyone. (sighs) The Football Manager Show is sponsored by LiveScore, but it's brought to you by The Athletic, the home of great journalism and also the home of my Football Manager Newcastle Challenge. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash FM pod, you'll find a very special offer there for new subscribers. How special? They won't tell me. They'll only tell you. That's how special it is. So subscribe today. Theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. It's time for your letters. You know how to contact me. It's imacintosh at theathletic.com or you can occasionally find me on Twitter. uh, Ian with two eyes underscore games. Producer Steve. Hello. Hello, Mr. McIntosh. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, a few people in the office asked me if I was stinkingly hungover uh, this morning, <laughs> which, I mean, I presume that they that they watched the, the Newcastle-Liverpool League Cup final. I hope it's not just a general judgment of me or my appearance. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I mean, that's me every morning. I look no different, yeah. Um, no, I did, I did think, um, so just quick spoiler for anyone who hasn't, didn't see the stream last night, hasn't seen anything on social media, is waiting for Ian's Newcastle Challenge article. You have the opportunity now to skip a few minutes forward so you don't hear what happened in the League Cup final. Okay. Okay, they're gone. So they're gone. Oh my God. Yeah, God, I did not... Um, honestly, I thought Liverpool would just absolutely boss it because they're really, really good. And, you know, we're, we're Newcastle. <laughs> so you can imagine my surprise at being 2-0 up after 20 minutes. I think as well, I mean, for those who obviously read the challenge regularly, the fact it was a near post corner and Sven Botman was the man who gave you the lead was just like, if you could do like a sort of cliches of <laughs> the Newcastle challenge, um, it would have been that, which was just beautiful. Um, it really, I, you know, they, they always say like, oh, you couldn't write drama like this. I'm sure you could. <laughs> they, they wrote Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Sven Botman at the near post was great, but then the the narrative irony of obviously Liverpool got one back before half time, but the irony of a ninety fourth minute equaliser also coming from a near post corner oh. was was a bit too much to bear, mm. um, and then dragging it to penalties. But I tell you what, you know we talk about training on this show again and again and again, and those tiny little benefits that you can pick up, and I had used the the preset big game preparation training week that that works on shape um it works on set piece delivery i'd obviously thrown in another attacking corner session and then the last thing it does the day before is it sets up like penalty shootout practice for you and i don't know if it's interlinked but it meant there was an opportunity in the team talk to say come on lads we've been practicing penalties you'll be fine (laughs) and uh, god bless them they didn't miss one and I think as well, to be honest with you, because obviously 94th minute equalised, you mentioned extra time, which was just everyone, 
everyone was completely knackered. I think you did well to not reach for the rye whiskey until extra time, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I th- that, that was uh, a strong support and a difficult time. <laughs> but it's it's so weird. Like all I could do afterwards, I just kept looking at it and you know trying to check everything because your personal reputation as a manager goes up when you win something. I have a mm-hmm. dim memory of that happening in the past, and, and it's true. Like <laughs> vague memory, stars get a bit bigger. <laughs> And and it just means it's like if anything goes wrong now, I'll get another job and it'll be a decent job because I'll have, you know, exceeding expectations at Newcastle probably two seasons in a row and a cup win. So if I do get sacked, I probably wouldn't get a bigger job than Newcastle, but I might get like a Norwich or something. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Nice to, might nice to drop down out of the Premier League straight away anyway. Yeah, yeah, might get a a struggling Premier League side or a decent championship side. So it tells you a lot about my mental state playing football manager. (laughs) Just trying to make sure you're not going to end up in the fourth division. (laughs) So, yeah, we were were saying earlier about the community challenge Mm. with Derby County. Do send us in how it's going. Let us know. We'll have occasional surveys on Twitter as well, because that's always fascinating. The fantastically named Jamie Thunder is blogging at, and this is all one word, I'm bad at footballmanager.com. Um, so go go check him out. He's going to send updates as well. But for now, on with uh, normal business, because we have, well, we've got quite a lot of questions, haven't we, Steve? We do, we do. And the first couple have been answered for, by Sports Interactive, specifically Neil Brock. So thanks to Neil for, and Andrew Sinclair for taking the time to answer these for the listeners. Our first letter in is from Nick Grant, who's currently managing Wrexham. Nick says, while the squad enjoy the beaches of Anglesey, Clandudno, etc., obviously North Wales, could go a bit further south down to Glengoflin as well on the River Dee, which is gorgeous. I thoroughly recommend that. Nick is doing his annual search for soon-to-be-out-of-contract players that can strengthen his squad. At the time of writing, Wrexham is still technically in League One, but the season is complete and many of the players that Nick is looking at are not interested in playing for Wrexham. So he has been promoted and he's wondering if he waits until the season switches over to a new season and the game recognises that we are now physically in the Championship, Will more players show an interest in making the move to North Wales? Or do I already have all of the interested in the transfer players available to me now that I've won said promotion? So what did Sports Interactive say? They said players and agents in the game are a bit smarter than you give them credit for. As soon as it's recognised you're in a strong position for promotion, your status increases in their eyes. And then when mathematically confirmed, it does indeed give you a further bump. Now add in the age-old classic of season update day, which is always my favourite bit, and it it's true there is a further reputation calculation on this date. Consider it like a grizzled European pro asking his agent for opportunities abroad and the agent just looking at a list of top flight clubs. When you're finally seen as part of the elite, that's when all the possibilities really start to open up. But like scoring an early goal away from home, there's always a chance of a reaction. The longer you wait, the higher chance some of the players you've looked at will be snapped up. And you may find there's an even better midfielder interested than before. If you're back up options sign elsewhere even with your reputation boost well i mean you could find that you're still amongst the least attractive options so uh, stick or twist basically isn't that absolutely i'm not sure that's entirely what nick would wanted to have heard but all we can do is bring the truth so <laughs> there we go exactly next letter is robert lamont who has been managing kelty hearts in scotland and after several years kelty hearts are now an established lower half scottish premier league team and Robert's done really well here because in real life, Kelty Hearts start off in Scotland's League Two 
sorry, on FM22, they start off in Scotland's League Two. And in real life, they're absolutely running away with League Two at the moment. But either way, a couple of promotions to get into the Premier League is a good job so far. Robert continues to say, well, my average attendance is more than double than when I joined. So it was 900 when he started and it's now 2,300. This is just not enough to generate revenue to pay the bills. The wage bill is 4 million a year, which is one of the lowest in the Scottish Premier League. But the TV revenue in Scotland doesn't bridge the gap. He's only able to run at this level after selling a favourite regen to Liverpool for £15 million. The financial projections show the club balance will be at zero by the end of the season, which I guess assumes that I won't touch the transfer budget. And of course, it gets drastically worse for further seasons. A stadium extension is underway, but only raises the capacity to 2,900, which probably won't help that much. So other than selling my prize player assets, what can I do to make the club more sustainable? So what have Sports Interactive said about this, Ian? Well, it's been a great many years since I heard financial problems from a man named Lamont. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One for our over 40s uh, political followers. (laughs) Um, Sports Interactive say... Have you thought about running a weekly tombola? I I don't think that's going to be helpful, is it? (laughs) Uh, In all seriousness, they say, welcome to the harsh realities of Scottish football. With Dunfermline and the Edinburgh clubs being more established and in close vicinity, it is going to take a bit of time to start drawing in the crowd. So you're right, uh, gate money will only make up some of the shortfall. The reality is that your best option is finding players who can entice bids from Rangers and Celtic and South of the Border clubs to give you an occasional but substantial cash injection. It may be that more success and the odd jaunt into Europe will raise profile and prize money to allow a bit more long-term stability. But for now, polish those diamonds and keep an eye out for free transfers and players soon to be out of contract as you strive to be King of the North. Echoes of Gretna there for Robert Lamont who did, of course, make it, and then it all went very, very bad. Have we got happier stories? Who who else is here? So he was the guy who drank Lucasade, wasn't it? Was that the guy am I thinking of, or am I thinking of someone completely different for Gretna? They had, they had the owner that was <laughs> uh, like, they went, they got really far. Didn't they get to the final of like the Scottish League Cup or something? His name was Miles, uh, Brooks Mileson. That was that it. That was it. That was it. I can't recall anything about Lucasade. I thought it was one of the things like eccentric um, owner who's helped Gretna to new heights and he, only his diet was like cigarettes and Lucozade or something like that. Do write in to sort of confirm that I'm not going completely mad and that actually did happen. <laughs> Everyone's just scrambling for Wikipedia now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that I saw that somewhere, not not in my dreams. Anyway, next letter is, is a happier one, as you say. Uh, oh, or is it? Comes from Ryan Lloyd. And Ryan says, I decided to give it a go with the mighty Dover Athletic, as they're a team with the same name as my hometown in the United States. Unfortunately, I'm beginning to think that a team in Dover, Delaware, has more chance of staying up in the conference than Dover Athletic. Dover were penalised 12 points for furloughing its staff last year. And whilst I got my first win recently, I'm still at minus nine points. The club is bankrupt and the team is semi-professional, so I have no time on the training pitch to sort it out. My centre-backs are short and the free-kick and corner-takers are terrible, (laughs) so set-pieces aren't working. I'm not sure what we can offer you now at this point, to be honest, but the Data Hub isn't helping either because it says I'm just... Now, these aren't Ryan's exact words, but I want to keep us on the clean Apple carousel, so the Data Hub isn't helping because it just says I'm not very good in every area of the pitch, even if I can keep it relatively tight most games. 
So how can I keep my teen's morale up if I can't even keep my own up? What types of advice could you give me for things that I might be missing that could grab me a few points here or there? Or should I just prepare for the sixth division or the unemployment line? Now, what what do you say to that? <laughs> okay, yeah, that is that is a bit of a challenge and uh, a big pat on the back to Ryan Lloyd for taking that on. He is right, it does feel uh, difficult to moan about Newcastle when you see <laughs> stuff like this, or even Derby, to be honest. You can ask the board for a trial day, which might attract some out-of-contract players. You can, for backup if you're running out of players you can sign you can give a contract to those grayed out players they're not very good but they will fill shirts um, you just get them on literally like no contract no paying them but you can bring them into the game and make them players I always find at the lowest level you're just looking for physical attributes so if you've got someone quick say a, a left winger with a pace of 14 or something stick them on the left wing direct all your play to the left wing, pass into space so that um, there's a chance that they can use their pace to get behind the defender and run onto it. Or if you've got a big bloke, which it sounds like you haven't, and aim everything there. Don't be too hard on the players because they'll know they're bad anyway. There's no point um, bollocking them because they'll just collapse. You could look to sign an agreement with a bigger club become a feeder team that might bring in some extra players and then there's the low market as well but wow it's going to be very very difficult drop us a line in a couple of weeks and, and let us know how it went absolutely braver man than i in terms of taking that on we've got a very quick dan tack on pentagon challenge update which is simply i smashed it in south korea once i left mexico i waited and landed the job with sue Wan, as we mentioned um i think last episode so it was mid-season they were sitting fifth but crucially they were still in the asian champions league Within four months, I'd won the lot. So that's three out of five done, and now I'm waiting on jobs in Argentina or Brazil. And very quickly, the Pentagon Challenge is, of course, winning the Champions League or equivalent in five continents. That's three out of five done for Dan. Seth Harnischweger, and apologies if I've not pronounced that correctly there, Seth asks, do you almost become too nervous to keep playing when things are going well? I've never had a team perform so well, and I've found myself playing less frequently because I don't want the good run to end. Is that just me? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. You just think if I don't touch it, then everything's fine. Because there's this weird kind of like innate happiness that you get when, when you've got a football manager team doing really well. And when you're the kind of person like me for whom that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> it's just, I don't know if it's some sort of validation that works on a molecular level, but... If you've got a team that's going well and you, you do that thing where you walk down supermarket aisles and you're you're not thinking about what to buy for dinner, you're <laughs> thinking about like, oh, I've got this kid in the uh, under 18s and when he gets like a little bit older, he'll be in the first team. And you just, it just makes you happy and you don't want to do anything that's going to screw that up, even though you know you have to make changes here and everywhere so that the AI doesn't catch up with you. It's It's awful. But yeah, I've absolutely been there. What I try to do to get around it is break it up into sections. Works very easy when you're writing about it, like I do with Newcastle, where you're just playing four or five games in a in a session and then walking away. But if you're not doing that, use the international breaks as well. Just get yourself to the international break and stop. And then it's, you know, it just feels like someone else is determining when and where you stop. I should probably talk to a psychiatrist. <laughs> Yes. But any also, also any interesting sort of superstitions that the listeners have in terms of when you're on a good run, how you get out of a bad run. Purely instinctive stuff. We don't want anything like 
oh, I looked at the data hub and it told me this, et cetera. No, none of that, none of that. What kind of mug you use? What do you wear a certain pair of trousers or suit, et cetera? Like anyone's so dashingly wearing on the stream yesterday at the time of recording, any sort of superstitions do let us know. And it might be helpful for Seth as well. So final letter of today is Jacob McMaster. And he writes in to say, I thought I'd write in and share my greatest achievement on FM to date, which is getting Australia to the final of the Copper America in 2024. So congratulations, Jacob. And it's obviously worth mentioning that the Copper America has been inviting sides outside of South America since 1993, which is why Australia would have been involved in the first place. So congratulations, Jacob. We're obviously here for all of your achievements in the game. Do send them in. Yeah, I love this as well. The, uh, Jacob had, uh, had documented all this brilliantly. I particularly enjoyed the the needle match against Uruguay in the semi-finals. And international football is something that we haven't really discussed very much, and we probably should do because I think it's a lot more fun than it used to be. It often felt like you were just sort of opting out of your carefully made universe. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to do an episode coming up soon where we we have a look at that and uh, see if we can just take England one step further. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be lovely? One step further. Absolutely. If you want to get on the show, just drop me a line. I'm Macintosh at theathletic.com, or, as I say, find me on Twitter, uh, Ian underscore games. <laughs> And that was the Football Manager Show, sponsored by LiveScore. Your guests today were Andrew Sinclair from Sports Interactive and Elias Burke from The Athletic. Your producer was Steve Hankey. And I am going to treat the Europa Conference with the contempt it deserves. The Athletic.